Hello you, and welcome to Change Your Relationship with Food, the podcast hosted by me, Kyla Holly. With many years experience as an eating disorder and bariatric therapist, I know exactly what it takes to help you break free from your diet history and develop a more healthy relationship with food. Please follow this podcast to make sure you don't miss a thing. I have worked in bariatric surgery very happily for about 15 years now. I work for two local surgeons, I'm part of their multidisciplinary teams, but sometimes people say to me, how can you have an anti-diet stance and believe that people shouldn't go on a diet and that dieting is futile, and yet you work in a practice where people come there to have surgery for that sole purpose, for weight loss? There's a few reasons behind that. First of all, it's not up to me to judge what decisions people make over their own body. Whatever people decide, my job is to support them and help them to achieve the outcome that they want to achieve. Also, I'm not actually anti-weight loss. I'm anti-dieting. And there is a very big difference. I know from personal experience in my own life, having lost a lot of weight, and also seeing patients go through surgery and subsequently lose a lot of weight, I see the difference it can make. I see the difference in the way that they can move in their pain levels, in their relationships, in their confidence. So I know that that weight loss can make a difference and I'm not anti-weight loss. I just don't believe, and the science backs me up, that dieting is a way to achieve weight loss long term. It's simply not. So I'm anti-diet, I'm not anti-weight loss. So I hope that clears that up from the beginning. So if you have been thinking about bariatric surgery at all, even if it's just in the back of your mind and you haven't got as far as finding out about it or approaching a surgeon... The first thing to consider is would you actually be eligible and the criteria may be different from country to country. In Australia though we are looking for someone with a BMI of over 35 or a BMI of over 30 if they have comorbidities. We wouldn't entertain surgery for anybody with a BMI smaller than those two numbers. So that's the first criteria as far as being eligible then I recommend you go along and see a surgeon. So go to your GP, get a referral to a surgeon and just find out all the information you feel that that team can give you. Ideally, your surgeon will work with a whole team of people to help you through the surgery. Most good surgeons do that now. There's still a few out there who do not and that don't offer the backup and the support that you're going to need, but they are rare now and they are quite famous within the industry in that we all know who they are because generally the other teams pick up the pieces a little bit later when we get a patient back who's been to one of those surgeons and they really don't know what they're doing they don't know how to live with their bariatric surgery they haven't been taught the very basics of how to do that so it's really frustrating that there are some surgeons out there doing surgery without offering appropriate backup so that's the first thing who is your team who's going to help me and make sure you feel comfortable with that team because these people are going to be your friends and your support team for the next year or so 
So you've got to feel comfortable with the surgeon, you've got to feel comfortable with your team. And if you feel comfortable with both, then that's probably the team for you. We would do lots with you even before the surgery date. So the first choice really would be what sort of surgery are you going to have? And that's generally a medical decision made by the surgeon. And it's dependent on a lot of pre-existing factors. One that we look for very strongly is evidence of reflux, because if you have reflux and it's pre-existing, then probably something like a sleeve gastrectomy would not be for you. With a sleeve gastrectomy, you're taking a normal stomach, which is basically a high capacity but low pressure system, and you're turning it into a low capacity, high pressure system. And that doesn't work well if you've got pre-existing reflux. So there's a few criteria that will be taken into account to make that medical decision. The most common procedure in Australia is certainly the sleeve gastrectomy. We do more of those than any other surgeries. Other common procedures are the Ruin-Y bypass, which is the most comprehensive bariatric procedure. And in between those two procedures is something that is referred to as a mini bypass, but that's a single anastomosis bypass. I won't get into the technicalities of all the different surgeries. You can Google them and look them up. I may do it in the future podcast, who knows? But essentially that choice will be led by the medical team as to which is the correct surgery for you. The rest of the team get a little bit of an input, but generally it's a medical decision as to which type of surgery. So before you have surgery, you will certainly see the surgeon and meet the surgeon and have a discussion with them. You will also meet the other members of your team And that team normally comprises of somebody to look after the food side of things, which is often a dietitian or a nutritionalist. There will also be someone to look after the sort of psychological, behavioral, emotional side of things, which could be a psychologist, a psychotherapist or a counsellor. And someone to look after the medical side of things, which is your surgeon. And often there's a practice nurse or a nurse practitioner as part of the team. So generally it's that three pronged approach, medical, psychological, dietary. And you should meet all those people before you have the operation. And each one of them has different criteria that they're sort of looking at before you go into surgery. Now, certainly in the teams that I work in, we all have the option to red flag a patient. So if someone comes to us and there's something that we fundamentally think is going to be problematic for that patient after surgery, we have the option to have a team meeting and say, I really don't think this person is suitable. Or we have the option to delay their surgery if we think that we need to do some work with them before they'll be surgery ready. So we have the capacity to do that. And certainly from the medical point of view, they're looking at things like your current weight, what comorbidities you might be experiencing. And that might include uh, things like reflux. It might include sleep apnea. The surgeon might suggest, for instance, that they want to conduct a sleep study before surgery. It's really important if you have sleep apnea that the anaesthetist understands the level of sleep apnea that you might have and uh, what's going on. 
So a sleep study might be asked for. Also, the surgeon might want opinions from other specialists. So if you have been seeing another specialist for a condition, the surgeon might write to that specialist and say, what are your thoughts? Do you think this patient is suitable for bariatric surgery? From the dietitian's point of view, they're going to look at your current food intake and they're also going to educate you around what is to happen as far as the food changes that you're going to experience. They'll also take into account any food intolerances that you've got, um, any medical conditions to do with your digestive system, so how your body reacts to your eating. And also, if you've got pre-existing problems like constipation or diarrhea, something like that, or, you know, something that upsets your digestion or affects it, that's what the dietitian is going to be interested in. From my point of view, so I'm the team member that looks after psychological, emotional and behavioural, I look more at your relationship with food. So I will take a little bit of a, an overview of your food intake, but I'm not necessarily looking at what you're eating. I'm looking at how you make those choices, how food fits into your life, what your food preferences are, how you make those decisions, and really kind of your relationship with food, the importance of food in your life, how you view food. I'm looking at it more through that lens. I would also look at a whole host of other things as well. Your home life, your work life, so your whole lifestyle I take into account. Your relationship as well your identity, you know, your sense of self, who are you? Do you see yourself as a big person? If you come to me at, at 200 kilos and you've never in your adult life been smaller than that, then I really have to consider what a shock this is going to be to your system and to your identity when suddenly you might halve your body weight. Do you know how to relate to that smaller person? Are you going to like that smaller person? Is that smaller person going to be everything that you think they're going to be? Because sometimes our perceptions and our expectations are very different from the reality that we get at the end of that journey. I also look at society and prepare you for the way that you might be treated by society, which can be quite different as a larger person and a smaller person. So part of my job is to prepare people for that. Also to look at what their goals are, because we get some people coming along with really, really unrealistic weight loss goals. And part of my job is to tell them what is realistic to achieve and to check that we're on the same page because we don't want to set someone up to feel that they've failed. If you come in and you say, I want to weigh 60 kilos and your starting weight is 180 kilos, it's virtually impossible that you are going to end up as 60 kilos. And we have to prepare you for the fact that that's not going to happen. You might not reach an ideal weight for your body. And there are many, many factors that make that impossible. On average in Australia, bariatric patients lose about 72% of their excess weight. That would make you Mr. or Mrs. or Miss Average. And it's our job to prepare patients for the fact that that 
that is the average weight loss, which will mean they will still be carrying some extra weight at the end of their journey. We can sort of estimate what that weight will be so that they know what they're prepared for realistically. Then the surgery day comes and people get very, very excited about their surgery. I often liken surgery to a wedding versus a marriage because people get very, very excited about that one day. Realistically, though, it's just one day and you are going to be asleep for most of it. So it really doesn't matter. It's the marriage that matters. It matters what you do afterwards. Hopefully your team will be on board to help you. The two practices I work at, we support you for a year after surgery and the the appointments with us are compulsory. You have to attend them. They're pre-scheduled, they're pre-arranged. With our practices, they're also pre-paid. So you commit to those right at the beginning. And I would really, really advise you, if you are contemplating surgery, engage with your team. They are specialists. They're there to help you. They really should know their stuff. And you have a year to learn everything you can possibly learn about bariatric surgery, about your body, about food, about everything you're going to need to know and the skills you're going to have to have for the rest of your life. So why not engage with them? They're there. They're at your disposal. Please use them. It's really, really very, very important. And what they're going to do post-op, they're going to obviously check you medically to make sure that you've healed from the surgery and that medically you are okay. They're also going to do regular blood tests over that first year to check that you don't become deficient in anything due to that surgery. So to check that your overall health is going well. The dietitian will coach you through the stages of food reintroduction. So you can't just after surgery start eating hamburgers the day after or anything like that. You have to reintroduce food very, very slowly because you are protecting staple lines. You are protecting the anastomosis if you have one. And the anastomosis is basically a connection. It's a bit like plumbing, if you imagine it that way. It's a connection between two areas of your digestive system. And they are fresh, they are new, they've only just been done, and you have to protect them for at least the first six weeks following surgery. So food will be reintroduced very slowly. You'll go through phases of reintroducing liquids. Then you might reintroduce puree foods, which is what we call the mushies. Then you will reintroduce soft foods, and then you will get the green light to say, okay, you're fully healed now, you can now eat solid food. The dietitian will coach you through all those stages and help you with any problems that you might have. I don't come on board and see the patient again until three months after they've had their surgery, because one of the things I want to check in is the ease of behavioral change. How have they managed? What problems have they had? In order to do that, obviously, I have to give the patient time to experiment, time to experience those things until they can report back to me. I look at how they've managed to change, what they've struggled with, any old habits that might be hanging around, which they feel might be getting in the way. I also look at body image. How, how do they feel about the changes in their bodies so far? Because in the first three months, the weight loss is very swift. 
So by the time they come to me, it's likely that their body has changed quite substantially and quite dramatically in that time. So I'll be checking in with them. How do they feel about it? Can they see the weight loss? What do they feel when they look in the mirror? Have they got any excess skin? How much is that bothering them? So all these sort of body image factors that I ask around as well. And also anything else that might be getting in the way of them being successful. So I chat to them about their relationships. I chat to them about work. I chat to them about how other people might be noticing their weight loss. Are they comfortable with the attention? How are they feeling about that? Has it affected their friendships? There's lots and lots of other areas that I ask around. And I also check in on their general mental health because having surgery and your body changing so dramatically can make big life changes and sometimes people struggle to cope with those. I'm checking on your overall well-being. There's no point a year after surgery in you being a whole lot thinner but your mental health having suffered as a result of the surgery. It's really important that you get a a holistic approach and a whole team of people to uh, back you up. To summarise, bariatric surgery could be for you if you have a high enough BMI, if you have comorbidities that are really affecting your life and you see that surgery could really make a big life improvement and an improvement to the quality of your life, then it might be worth thinking about a surgical intervention. You also have to be willing to address all aspects of your life going into surgery. There's no point in just being a thinner version of you with all the same problems. So really use the surgery as a catalyst to make changes in your life. It's also really useful if you've tried lots of other ways to lose weight so that you go into this knowing in your heart that you really did try everything and that this is the right solution for you. We don't want anybody going into surgery with doubts. You've really got to know that you've covered all the bases. You tried your hardest to lose weight by other means that didn't work and you've proved that to yourself and now you want to engage 100% in the surgical intervention. Also, there's an element of cost. If you have medical insurance, the majority might be covered by your insurance, but you have to check beforehand because not all insurance covers bariatric surgery. So check what you're eligible for, check what your out-of-pocket expenses will be. You might decide to access your It's called superannuation in Australia. It's called a pension in the UK. And I think there's another name for it. Is it 401k? I'm just making that up out of my head. Something like that in the US as well. Um, In Australia, certainly you can access those funds if you have a long-term illness, which can be resolved, if you like, by having the surgery, they might let you access those funds early. All the financial considerations have to be made beforehand, and they might be quite substantial. So you really have to consider, can you afford the surgery? And also, are you willing to actually commit to the follow-up? We have a number of patients who, before the operation, say, absolutely, I'm there 100%. And then after the surgery, when they don't turn up to appointments and our receptionists phone them, they make all sorts of excuses like, oh, I had to work. Oh, I'm too busy. 
oh, I feel a bit ill today, and they don't engage with their team post-op. The research backs up the fact that patients that engage, patients that turn up to appointments, they simply do better. And you've really got to consider, do you want to spend all that money, make all that time and effort, and not follow through to get the best result you can possibly get? So those are the reasons for having surgery. It's simply not for you if you don't want to do that work. If you're not willing to address some of the problems at the moment and you're not willing to examine your relationship with food, then probably bariatric surgery is not for you because it does rely on you being honest and taking a really long, hard look at your relationship with food and working out where the problems lie. Also, don't go into surgery if you don't value the people that are trying to help you you simply won't get the best long-term result. You'll get a short-term result because initially, after surgery, it's difficult not to lose weight. You'd have to be doing something absolutely crazy for weight loss not to happen. In those early stages, I guess patients think, well, hey, this is easy, I don't need help. But what we do as a team is we set you up to do this long-term and to have a successful outcome long-term after that initial weight loss has slowed down, how are you going to cope then? And that's what your team set you up for. Hopefully that's given you a little bit of an overview of bariatrics. And if you think it's for you, it's at least given you an idea of whether to find out more about it. Or maybe you've discovered during this that it's really not for you and it's something you're not interested in at all. That's absolutely fine because never, ever, ever go into surgery with any doubt, any type of surgery if it's elective. What I would also like to ask on this podcast is a favour. It would really help hugely if you followed the podcast. It costs you absolutely nothing and in the long run it will help us improve the podcast. It will help us get better equipment so I sound absolutely incredible. It will help us have guests on and be able to have the equipment that we need to be able to do that. We would like to develop this into something which is really, really valuable for you and that you can get a lot out of. And in order to do that, we need to get a little bit of a following happening. So please press the follow button. Please tell your friends about the podcast. Please share it. It would mean the world to us and it is absolutely zero cost to you. So that is my request. Please do this favour for me. I will never ask you for anything else, I promise. So thanks for listening. Next week, we are going to talk about a podcast that I'm calling Secrets and Lies. And it's really about the shame and the secrets and the guilt that we carry sometimes with our relationship with food. This podcast was requested by someone that wrote to me and she is a listener and I'm doing this podcast specifically for her, but also because she brought to my attention something which is such a valuable thing to talk about. Secrecy is the breeding ground for eating disorders. So that's something we're going to talk about next week and I hope to catch up with you then. Thanks very much for listening. Goodbye.
send your show ideas, questions or suggestions to info at acfeb.com.